You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. All right, kids, this is a um, broadcast. Kids, where? Behalf of uh, the. Uh, all, we, all I'm saying is rhubarb. <laughs> We're the anti-rhubarb uh, corporation. No, we're not anti-rhubarb at all. Don't we, eat raw rhubarb as the I, United States uh, government or whoever tells you that rhubarb... I'm going to interject. This is the before the after show discussion, folks. So rhubarb came up. Continue. Don't eat raw rhubarb, kids. According to the American government. But well, every other country, it seems this, to be all He's right. telling me this after he just did the research on rhubarb because I said, I just ate some raw rhubarb. Is it bad for me? And then he turns around and says, the American government says, don't eat raw rhubarb. But I have a feeling it's They say don't right. eat no more than a quarter of a cup of raw rhubarb because of the acid in it is bad for your kidneys and you... It's a super la- it's like a laxative and I did not eat more than... I ate two bites and I'll have some in a salad. I don't like rhubarb. I definitely do not like rhubarb. It's on the menu for dinner. My grandma... Yeah, I won't be in it. My grandma used to make... Oh, look. My grandma used to make um, rhubarb pie, and it was the one thing... And she... Her baking was, like, legendary stuff. You know what I mean? (laughs) Her scones and her... Rhubarb pie was the one thing that I didn't like. I liked apple pie. I liked... But you said, yeah, hers was stringy and stuff. My grandma, as far as I remember, was, was never stringy. It was like, well, it's traditional. No, right? English, an English rhubarb pie. Hers was exactly like every other English rhubarb, even ones that I bought from the supermarket. But it's like my grandma's, they cut it up really small and then in the pie. No, big chunky pieces. Right, it wasn't like, our traditions wasn't like that. So yeah, mine's well, not When I looked it up also, English, uh, it's traditional in England and it's also here it's traditional to have a rhubarb and strawberry mm-hmm. mix of a pie. Ours is just plain rhubarb. Well, a lot of people make just rhubarb, too. Right. Yeah, my grandma's made both. And they showed you a picture of a traditional English stro- uh, rhubarb pie. It looked exactly like my grandma's, and I just looked at it. I just never liked that tarty... I really love it. I just ate a bite of it, thinking, I don't even know what this really tastes like. What am I going to do with it? I bought two stocks in the store. I was like, I wonder if there's something different. And I just, like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um... So that's that's later in the dinner discussion. But the before the after the show was researching what rhubarb is and if it's bad for you. And it's, I feel like it's something that not many people use day to day basis. It's like a hidden. But I walked in the store today and they had a big, huge pile of it. So I'm thinking it must be in season. Or they got it cheap, and I just was drawn to it, and now I'm using it. I just bought two stalks. It like, says it's a winter thing on that. Right, just before so. win- just before winter. Hmm. So I don't know what the deal is. Why it would be around. Well, now. we always had. Pies all spring and summer, though. So that's what it said there. It's so, wrong. Wikipedia's wrong. It's not poisonous. And it's it's in, not from the winter. But it so could be imported as well, couldn't it? Correct. From any country that is different. All right. So it's Sunday. Tight pierce, indeed. Uh, it's not over anything. Just go down. No, it's just funny. What? What is that? I don't have any idea. Google Docs has added matter. a new feature, <laughs> uh, and it even tells you the time. Don't be distracted. But look, the time. <laughs> I don't care. And the date. All right, so if I'm going off the Google Docs added thing, it's uh, actually the 25th of April, 2011. It's 1.22 a.m. And um, this is after the show, number 169. So the movie we're going to be looking at this week is Hereafter, and this is the Blu-ray release. Blu-ray, DVD, digital copy, combo pack, as it so says on the cover. That kind of sucks all the life out of talking about a movie, doesn't it? 
cutting to the chase of the medium that it's on and what's in the box and blah. that's actually uh, how people are going to experience yeah. this movie to go yeah, and just so I know today is my nephew Joshua's birthday I don't I think he's 35 34 35 I don't remember which year he was born so I always have a struggle he's 10 years younger than me so therefore he's 33 34 oh my god 34 so <laughs> this movie yeah Blu-ray it's um 2010 movie was it no, it wasn't. I was going to say it was an Academy Award nominee, but I don't think it was. It wasn't. Um, the the Blu-ray was released on the 15th of March 2011, so it's actually out now. And it's from our friends at Warner, and you're going to tell us what this movie is about. I'm mesmerized by your screensaver. Don't touch it. It's about... Well, the title kind of tells it, tells it like it is. It's called Hereafter. And it's... Uh, Kind of a what do you call what do you call it pastiche pastiche pastage like it's different people's stories and the common link is wondering what happens after death and you just get three different stories really crisscrossing someone who claims he can speak with the dead a woman who almost di- dies for a minute comes back to life and a boy whose brother sadly. Is uh, longer with us. So it's a happy go, happy movie. <laughs> it is not. A, well, you know, I, I, I'm not Hopefully. of that mind. I don't. I don't. We'll get to this later because the, you know how I always every week mention the meaning of life, and we never really get to it. This movie kind of taps into my theories on the meaning of life, so we'll kind of cross over that. Uh, All right. So, together. so getting onto the movie here, um, I actually knew nothing about this movie apart from the fact that um, the cover of the movie is really <laughs> bad. Yeah. It's got like smoothed over. Um, Matt Damon and and the fact that it um, proclaims that Matt Damon is in the movie here after nobody else exists in this movie well that lady's behind him there with her face yeah but like her name doesn't is not oh, that's there, right right so it just says Matt Damon hereafter isn't that rude it is really rude yeah it's because Matt Damon's even though while Matt Damon is good in this movie he's not what this movie is about really I mean he's partially because it's one of those movies. I feel like it's one of those things where even in the movie they address it briefly with like, well, if you're going to go to the American market, you've got to do this and that. And then in the extras they talked about as the movie, um, deciding whether to put the French speaking with the subtitles, well, the American audience this and that. Well, I'm telling you now, if you're any of you are movie studio people or movie PR people who send us the movies or anything like that and you have anything to do with it, I'm telling you now, there are Americans like myself you know, who are not like... All the other people. And I have a feeling... <coughs> excuse me. There's more of us than you think, but... You're not the majority. I don't need Matt Damon's face on the box to make me interested in... Do you know what? When they sell this in France, do they have her face and say uh, her name? Very possible. Because, like, maybe she's more famous than exactly. Matt Damon in France, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, do they, do they change the... They're tricking Matt, us. Or do they still say Matt Damon and just <laughs> ignore everybody else? Or in France goes, who is this Matt Damon person? <laughs> Are they all from Monty Python? <laughs> <laughs> so that's like the Monty Python version who has these people French people who is this my demon <laughs> just one more worth of thing. I did I did tell you I had to break the news to you you know um, each of my husbands as they go through the course of my life has to have some sort of accent so far there's been two and you're the British one and the next one needs to be French just, just so, one worth of thing, mint <laughs> just so you know there will be French French man on the horizon <laughs> Wether. Well, if you speak like that, then we'll just stay married. If you do an accent from every country, then we'll be good forever. That's the only one I know. <laughs> I can do Scottish. Okay, I love Scottish. Maybe. Oh my god, I love Scottish. 
Scottish is just mumbling generally. No, just... it, don't be rude. <laughs> oh my god, ascully.com. I'm not just saying your first name, I'm saying your first and your last name, ascully.com. Alright, so this movie, um, I, kn- I knew nothing about it, but I just, after I'd watched it, I went to see a couple of different things on it, eBirds, people like that, just having a look around. Generally, it's un- looked upon unfavorable. Like, yeah. like a lot of people didn't like it. Um, now, I didn't know what to expect, really, apart from maybe it's some supernatural thing, because there's kind of a hint of that. It kind of looks cover. bizarre, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, it looks like Close Encounters or something, actually, that weird thing there. So, um... Why is it looked down on, favor- on, down, on? The, a lot of them just didn't like it, uh, like an overall distaste for it. I know, but why? Um, opening scene, because it was the wrong time for that. Well, they can't help that. No, they can't, but it kind of put a distaste on people, um... Some of the acting was mentioned. I have to agree with that, maybe. Some of the acting wasn't my... Um, but I'm going to say right now, go on the record, I fucking loved it. I really loved it. I loved it all, almost. There were little hints here and there of things I didn't appreciate. We'll get to the acting parts. But, and, you know, the flaws that kind of bugged me, I, they just melted away. What? Because I really love exploring the topic, which I believe nothing in at all. I don't believe in it at no, all. No, me neither. Not even a hint. Not even, like, the slightest... In bit fact, this is, my, this is my opinion. There were some extras on this uh, Blu-ray. And whenever it says, here's a person who's a psychic or a... Um, <laughs> whatever you call them. Medium. Um, some other thing that they called them. Whenever anybody like that start, I, on the screen, I always immediately think, lunatic. <laughs> like... Like, like that's my um, closed-minded view of that. Like, I, right, and I, just... I don't have a closed-minded view at all because I'm not like you. I don't believe in it at all. I don't believe in a hereafter. I don't believe in a great creator. I don't believe in hell or heaven or anything like nothing mystical, nothing spiritual. Now, what that has done for me, this is crossing over into meaning of life, and in this movie, what that's done for me is it frees my mind. Who if, are you, Neil? If you need, if someone like my mother who does have this in her mind that there has to be something and she's always struggling to figure out what it is and she wants it to be there and she can't imagine this life without the afterlife and all these other things and she goes a little new agey sometimes and old school Christianity and she mixes it up and creates kind of her own beliefs, right? For her, I say go for it. That's what makes you happy. That's what gets you through traumas in your life. That's what, like in this movie, you know, you're dealing with the real heart of it is losing someone or, like, figuring out what the meaning of life also is. Also, people searching for an answer to something that happened like the young boy. Yeah, yeah, not just that. Trying, like, to, fig- trying, to, trying to make his own mind up of how this shit works. Like. Yeah, and, like, her life, trying to put in perspective, I have all these things and stuff, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm trying to examine something else. Like, is there something else? And... If you need that to get through, I say go for it. As long as your religion slash spirituality slash beliefs don't involve hurting other people physically or cult-minded people or brainwashing people, which a lot of them do, but I'm just saying whatever it takes. um... If you sit down every day to your desk and you have a little plastic donkey there that you pray to and it makes you feel better and it makes you get through your day, I say go for it. And that's what this movie points out to me, is that there's lots of ways to look at death. Every single one of us is going to get there. If whatever you can do to cope, I say go for it. And what I like, what, um, yeah, my kind of point of view on it is, um, I I will never know until it happens, right? Right. (laughs) My my 
you know, grounded-based kind of thinking is like, it goes black and then it's over, right? It's like the eternal... You go to sleep. Yeah, like... Unless it's painful. Like, no dream, though. Like, you're just off. You're turned off, like like you're a machine that went off. That's how I see it. If it's something else, like Clint Eastwood said, that's a bonus, right? If it's something else that's Does it cool. bother you? The fear, or does you fear death? Actually, no, not really. Because it's also kind of addressed the theme of the movie's got like. I mean, I'd be frightened if like, I saw a truck coming Yeah, exactly. Me, I'm afraid of pain. I don't yeah. want pain. And I'm afraid of a long, lingering death of I know some I'm going to die, obviously. Uh, there, isn't like, any, it, there isn't any of us who haven't. Drowning or yeah. freezing to death. Uh, any of those things sound horrible, but I mean... The oh, thing- I would be afraid of some weird, like, being crushed by a bus or something. Yeah, but... <laughs> Sounds horrible. Yeah. It's coming to you. It's coming to us all, is what I'm saying. So, no, I'm not afraid of that. But I'm not afraid that if there is nothing, I don't care if there is something, whatever. Like, it's whatever happens, right? Because I can say you truly live in your moment. You don't look back. You don't look forward. You live your life every day yeah, pretty as much. it is. Just like I said to you, I have friends who are kind of, like, examining. We're in our 40s now. And, like... Am I doing what I should be doing? Is this where I wanted to be in my life? Should I make a different choice? Should I change my job? Should I not have this boyfriend? Should I get a divorce? Blah, blah, blah. And I said to you, do you ever think like that? And you're like, "Mm, no. No, I don't. like everything you do do leads you. Yeah. And I live both ways. I totally suck up. Soak up. (laughs) Suck up. Soak up everything. Some days are bad. Some days are good. I kind of look at it that way. But I do look forward, and I do wonder if I make the right choices. You know, if I do this today, that's going to change my future. If I had done that in the past, it would have changed my... You know, that kind of thing. But I don't fear death. I don't need an afterlife. I don't need something over my shoulder. I don't need an explanation, um, yeah. personally. That's why, I don't, that's why I'm agnostic, uh, because... I don't need... I don't feel... I don't need a, a personal Jesus or any of that stuff. I don't need... I don't need any of that. I don't need to rely on that stuff. You know, I'm mm-hmm. me, and then I have the people around me. Um, you rely on your own thing, though. You're, it's not like you you do rely on something. Yeah, you rely just on my your own connections to people, yeah. individuals that you've chosen in your life. But I don't like need a religion to help me out in times of trouble or any of that. That's one of the things I truly, really appreciate about this movie. It had nothing to do with religion. Oh, I like. I actually, when it started, um, when it introduced us to people. I got that. I don't know Clint Eastwood's beliefs, but he's an old schoolish type of dude, and I expected it to go preachy. Mm. I re- I was expecting it, and then I was thinking, I'm really loving this. I think it's probably going to crash on me in a bit because they're going to start getting really preachy, and they didn't. And no, I no. really enjoyed that because they explored three different avenues of thought. None of them actually religiously. No, preachy. with no explanation. With no, no. well. A little bit. They hint at. Religion. I like. I like the actual um, scene in the church where they yeah. where they where they were almost showing the church as they had a wedding coming in. It wasn't a wedding. It was a funeral. another funeral coming yeah. in, and almost like a commodity, like yeah, yeah. like get out, get in, kind of like. So yeah, they were. Is that just, Colin Firth? No. Are you I, sure? Absolutely not. I know who he is. He's a British character actor. The guy. Seriously, the was, I was like, is that Colin Firth? Oh no. my god, is he his brother? No. Um, there's quite a few British character actors in there who I recognised, but couldn't tell you the names, you know. But um, yeah, I like that because they didn't didn't really um, concentrate on religion at all in any way, did they? No. Um, I also like. I'm a sucker for cross stories, and this is like the ultimate cross story, really, because it really it keeps them all collides, but it keeps not, them really separate. Yeah, yeah, then. totally. I love that. And then 
the way they come together is an interesting way of doing it. Which is another theory of life, is that in some people's beliefs are that there are no coincidences, that when something happens, like you and I met on the internet, oh, that happened for a reason. But I think, and I believe in just that, you know, beings collide and shit like that. But in this, they kind of, like at the beginning of Magnolia, all coincidences mm-hmm. are like plotted and planned or whatever. And in this one, they just kind of showed it for what it was. No mystical anything about it. I really like that. I really like how they, um, the Matt Damon character, we explain Matt Damon's like a psychic guy. What'd you call him? Like a channeler? Or a... He's not anything, but I mean, he doesn't think of himself yeah, as anything. So. But he can do it. He can talk with dead people. Whatever that is. He can do that. Hold on to somebody's hands and then have a communication with somebody who's passed from them or whatever. Um, But I liked how that wasn't what it was all about. They even covered, like, his... Like, they got into in-depth with him. Like, he he goes to this cooking class and it's, like, um, a relationship thing and how this thing can affect a relationship... And even down to the about his job and him working at his job. Yeah, and, and the brother who wants to basically exploit, exploit it, him, but yeah. kind of on the like, hey, come on, brother, yeah. no, 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 it's not. So it was a lot, a lot deeper than just like this guy who can do this. And thing. every single story was the same. Yeah, it was. It was really detailed and paced in a way that I, I it was like luxurious to me. What the movie that I uh, not saying it yet, but my first recommendation that is very much like that movie in pacing. Yes. Um, I, I was reminded of that a lot. Of that Stick movie. around, kids, and you'll get to find out what it yeah. is. Um, you know, this, the yeah. in, uh, international feel, too. Because uh, one of the stories takes place in France. One of the stories takes place in America. One of the stories takes place in England. So it's very different views of life, you know. I liked the English part, because I obviously... Yeah, yeah, and I like that... Like, in the in you know, in life, in existence, big shit happens. And in this movie, there is a type... Is it a typhoon? And it's all very different shit. Uh, tsunami. Yeah, yeah. And that is the tsunami that was in the... Um, yeah, where was it? The Philippines... Um, Indonesia. Yeah. A few years ago. 2004. Right? That's when that was came come from. And then... Things like that where hundreds of thousands of people die. People do start questioning. Like... I mean, it's got to be a tremendous emotional burden on a whole on the world, really, as humans. And then the bombing in London, and now yeah, it's I say this totally has some reflected. touchy subjects. Kind yeah, of really. Issues. But they're not even they're not like big highlighted. It's no. like there it is, and this is the little tiny story that we've plucked out actually, of. Actually, it's almost of that. like the frogs in Magnolia. Yes, yeah, brilliant. It's, um, I actually find it really brilliant. It's it's a big event in Magnolia when the frogs drop, but it doesn't really. But matter. it's nothing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is cool, and that's what these things are like. I mean. There's a, the special effects at the first five minutes. Oh my god! Oh my god! About that listen to me. Oh my god! Yeah, they're better than something. <laughs> yeah, just look at it. Just no. Look I mean, at it. I mean, what I'm saying is, I still I say, oh my god. I don't. Even I mean, the special it. effects are just like uh, as good as something you see in the biggest spectacular. Um, what did we see? 2012 or something like. I mean, they're better, better than that. Better than Holy that. shit! Yeah, man. Because it looks real, you know. <clears throat> Uh, not that you might want to see this so no. close to seeing it for real. In fact, I was kind of like there was Wednesday. one video I saw on CNN that looked almost like when the boat comes over the way. Oh, yeah, and sm- yeah. Yeah, and it, it was like, oh my God, that's way similar to what we've just seen, isn't it? Like, I know. So they did research a lot to make it look... It real. makes you feel a little uncomfortable, and at the same time... Did you know that was coming? 
No, no. I, do not, I'm sure, I, I imagine if you saw a trailer for this movie, that was what they showed you. Oh, I, have no, I had no clue. I never seen coming. it. No. And then no. I was just like, oh my God, that's like And then I creepy. was thinking, when was this made? Oh yeah, it would have <gasps> been It's a before. creepy mystical coincidence. <laughs> Partially, right? Uh-huh. The bombs in the train station, you know, th- things like that. Tsunami. Um, but yeah, it, it's realistic depiction. And I like... Um, some of the acting I did think was... Yeah, questionable. I don't know if it was purpose or what. Like, no, it wasn't purpose. I think they, I don't want to blame kid actors, but... Oh, the kid was fantastic. No, there was one scene, or two scenes at least, where the kid was sounded like he was reading lines. When? I thought it was perfect when he, the whole when time. When he was on the cell phone walking from the chemist to the... Um, what, what actually occurs... Yeah, but he's saying to him, telling yeah, him. Yeah, but it, it sounded oh, really wooden to me. Um, not yeah. just that. There You're harsh. A, well, no, I, I think I just think that was pretty. Um, I know, but they're kids, right? So you can't. And like they said in the extras that they didn't want to tell them that it was bad or whatever. They've never been in a movie before. No. So yeah, you can't go give them a, a thingy off. Um, I disagree with you completely, but I no, I don't, I, and I think I know you don't. I'm saying I, I think some people will agree with me. Um, I also thought that the... Are we going into the cast? Or are we just... No. General? Okay. Just in, I'm just saying about bad acting. Um, I also didn't really like the foster parents. They were kind of throwaway. And the guy, the foster parent father, is a super famous guy in England. Um, he's been in all kinds of stuff. The I mean, big. they were fine. I didn't think they did a bad job. I think bad acting is a kind of harsh way to say it. There's just moments of, like... Because you know, also know how what Clint Eastwood makes a movie... He might be like a two-take man, so you're not always going to get the I best. But I felt quality from the French actors. Oh, God, yeah. And not because I don't know French and I'm reading the subtitles, so I can't get the nuances. But no, I got the nuances oh, totally. without knowing. So I felt quality from that side of things. I felt quality from Matt Damon's side of things. Jay Moore? No. Oh, I don't I, like Jay Moore at all. I don't know like, if I like him or not, but in this... I think you don't like his character because he seems like a dickhead. I'm thinking of him, though. Like I'm also thinking of um, the... Well, the other guy is in Curb Your Enthusiasm. I don't know if I liked him that much either. Oh, he was fine. It was pretty small. And then we are actually discussing the cast now, by the way. All right, let's go, <laughs> let's go into the cast then. So Matt Damon plays George Lonergan. Um, it's Matt Damon again. Mm-hmm. He's like... Um, Versatile? Is that what you're going to say? Yeah, I think he really is. I think he's like important, generational. Um, I think you'll think, look back and go, wow, what a body of work he's got. You know, like in... Yeah, yeah. I mean, what a body of work he's got now. But, I mean, like Clint Eastwood, when you go back over his life and go, oh my God, look at what Clint Eastwood did. He's still doing it. I think Matt Damon... Say, Matt be- Damon's 40-something. He's got... And if he goes along the way of Clint Eastwood, he's got 40 more years. I feel that you'll look back in 40 years and Matt Damon will be making some movies... I mean, directing or whatever he's doing, and you'll go, wow, oh my God, like he did all them movies. Like, I think he's one of those people that'll stick around. Yeah. Um... He's, I don't think he's always, like, super compelling or anything. I think he is in this. Um, I feel I like how he it's played pretty a normal straight. Kind. Yeah, it's pretty straight and narrow. Um, a little... I mean, I get it that it's been a torture for him. It's been difficult in his life. But he's also a bit extra morose, even though I get that. It's just... It's sort of... It's kind of torn down. A little down. too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, no, I didn't think it was too much. I thought... I got... I was with him all the time, thinking, like, you're just being... Been, all this time you've been pressured into using this gift, as they say. Um, 
which is making you completely miserable. Right. When you try and tie yourself away from it, people like your brother kind of like try and suck you back in. It's kind of sucky all the time. And he's took he took this job just to be normal, this mm-hmm. sugar factory factory worker guy. You know, it's misery, isn't it? I mean, everything is a little bit too that's very Hollywood sounding. This guy who could be rich and famous because of this thing decides to work in a factory and he gets he's torn because blah blah blah. That sounds very uh like a a little too it doesn't when it, a little too formulaic or something, but right. it seems to work to me. When like and then you've got the famous French newsreader lady who now has an experience and then everything goes to shit and then you have the twin boy with the drug mother and you know I mean everybody's like got a very distinctive design Ball life. But it seems to work. I wasn't hugely oh we're, we're on the cast I'll discuss when we get, if you put her on there. So we got Cecile de France as um Marie Lille. Uh, I think she was the highlight of the movie. Absolutely. Uh, I want to see her again. I think she's... I want to see her in French movies, so I think we should start looking on Netflix for Yeah, French I'm sure movies. it's funny. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I, I did... There was a big list of movies. Um, we might have even seen a movie with her in and not realized. She looked familiar to me, so yeah. we'll see. Um, I think she was the highlight of the movie. Absolutely. I think her part was the most kind of in-depth. And the most identifiable. Yeah. To me. Yeah, because it was... Yeah, and... I can't um, identify with him because he does the thing, and I can't identify with the kid because he's a kid, and there's a whole different thing, or with the twins and everything. But for some reason with her, I... She's... She's the question mark. Yeah. Matt Damon knows what's going on. The kid knows he can find out what's going on. She's the question mark. She's just like, I don't know what the fuck this was, and I need to know... Or I need something, or, you know, so I really liked her. Every moment I was watching her, just compelled. Yeah, she was great. And then there's uh, Terry Nuvi as Deedler, who played a boyfriend mm-hmm. slash affair. Because I have a feeling he might be some sort of, like, French heartthrob or something. I've seen him in... Because he did the George Clooney look that they described. I've also seen him in, He's been in some Luke Besson films. Where he's talking, and then he looks up out the top of his eyes, kind yeah. of, like, all hunky or something. Um, but he was fine. I liked him. He was really good. Uh, the scenes with her, and you know, the slow unraveling of him. Yep. I ex- I suspected some, you know. Yeah, but yeah. It, I like how they don't fully explain it, but just give you some throwaway things every now and then. Let me just put this out there. What I came away with the number one thing about this movie, beyond the the meaning of life and the hereafter, it's that you know when he kept saying, "I need to make a connection. I need to make a connection." When you break apart each interaction with people. That's really what it's about. Yeah. Connecting with another human being, living in the moment with that person. And maybe they break your heart heart or they don't or you love them or you hate them or they give you something. That's really what life is about. And her connection with him seems one thing and then it's she has to cope with the change in it and then he's just moving on and I mean... And then she has to cope with the change in her career. Yeah, yeah. How this event affects her career also. Through him. Exactly. Um, Her connection to him is, you know, yeah. In fact, a a decision she makes, she wasn't ordinarily going to make on her own, so he changes her life completely. And she even says, though, if you hadn't, if you had done this one thing, none of this would have happened to you. So that, you know, how that person, people connect, um, affect your life is a big part of the theme, I think. And we've got Frankie McLaren and George McLaren as Marcus and Jason, the kids. Because they're the British end of the story is about two twin brothers. Um, 
who were about what, like thirteen? I think so. And I disagree with you completely. I thought they, they were both awesome all the time. In I, parts. Particularly his face. The one kid when he's listening to Matt Damon and his face just kept like a kid who's being told some weird yeah. shit would totally do. And I, was I really so like impressed. the scenes where the kid decided to go and <laughs> after after his brother had died, he decided to go and figure out like at this psychic. Um, what was it like a hot, like a all different things like all a different people and... who are into so he goes there to see well maybe scam this... artists yeah but they're all claiming they're psychics claiming they're channelists claiming they're whatever they are and he goes there just a series of montages of him going through these different play, different people where he's like not sure whether this is works or not but like he's making this decision for himself that this is just bullshit it's a waste yeah, of time yeah the way he starts looking at everybody yeah. is just like oh god you don't have any idea because what, what they're I mean. saying is not and they're, they're all, like, showing him these gadgets that they can talk to the dead. And doing and funny voices, like, channeling yeah. crazy dead people. It just... It was, that was a good scene. The guy segment. does the funny voice and then revert... Then, yeah. like... Say your name. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can see, babe. The only point in it. What? I can see. Out the corner of my eye. <laughs> when it goes off, I can see. All right. Are you telling me not to tell you that? Yeah. All right. Like, so, like most other things. You don't have to tell me. But sometimes I need to read something. Yeah, so. I can see it. <laughs> I got it. All right, so um, Lindsay, M- Lindsay Marshall, Lindsay as Jackie. Yeah. So she plays the mother, mother of the two kids. She's um, all right. She's a little too, but I don't know. I I've known women very similar to her, so I think she did a good job. Yeah, so she was like a drug, um, drug drinking yeah. mother. Um, yeah. Broken down as well. Yeah. Don't get much of her, but you you know. No, I like how the kids are kind of on her side, though. Oh, totally. the social services. Yeah, yeah. Because the social services come around. Um, yeah, and it's very British, that part. And it's, you know, if you've seen something like Fish Tank, it's in that kind of scenario. They called it the projects, but it's not the projects. It's, um, it's council estates. Scummy council estates. That's what the projects are. Government. Right, but we don't call anything the projects. I know, but it is what it is. For it's you. Gov- no, it is. it is what it is. It's a government-built... Yeah, housing. but what I'm saying, nobody uses the word projects in England. It doesn't matter what you call it. That is Unless they're talking about America. It's government-built housing for low-income people. Let's it's a project. Ca- council houses. Council flats, council houses. Right. In the city of London. The reason they call it a pro- the projects is because it's a government project to house people with low income. I know why. I'm just saying <clears throat> that somebody called the English per- plat the projects, but it's not called that in England. But nobody it is uses what it the is. word projects. <laughs> so people understand that is what it is. Low-income housing. Right. Council houses, if you're British. <laughs> um, what I'm saying is nobody in a council house in Britain would go, I live in the projects. Yeah, and no one in the projects a... in America would say I live in council housing, but that is what it exactly. is. Exactly. I'm, I'm saying that. I'm just telling But you. if you called projects that, then I'd be like, that is what it is, so it's fair. Right. I don't <laughs> think it is. It's, it's not quite as... What I think of the projects as in America is, like, super violent. Oh, no, it's all, it just varies. No, it could be anything. Like, drugs and No, no, it could and... be anything. It could be anything. Some right. are bad, some aren't, you know. Right. I see what you're saying, though. But, no, it's not all like that. Right, so, um, yeah, you know, like, Boys in the Hood and all that kind of stuff. Mm. That was all set in the projects, right? Yeah, but we've watched British movies where it's really bad neighborhoods of the low-income I'm just thinking really bad, like, yeah. machine guns, people in... Drive-bys. I think or... maybe you've seen too many movies, because there is some of that, but it's not all that it is. So Apparently there is quite a lot of that, <laughs> from what I read. Right. 
No, I don't talk about movies. I'm talking about news. There's a yeah, lot no, there's of drive violence, but it's not what you. Th- it's not like every single government housing project is like that. That's what I'm saying to you. Right. Yeah. I've never seen a good one portrayed. All right then. Let's say in Hollywood, I've never exactly. seen a decent one portrayed, like a nice one or. A, I'm not saying they're nice, but they're oh, not I mean, all some might be. Scummy. Some might be new and nice, right? Like not not. And some council estates are nice. Yeah, some are nicer right, than yeah. others. That's for sure. Yeah, like like they all. My point is, they're all the same. Some are scummy in England and some are scummy in America. Right. And I, all I was saying was the projects, we don't call it that. So, um, <laughs> Jay Moir plays Billy. Didn't really like him. No. Um, I know they wanted to have his brother as like this light-hearted dude, but I didn't No, I, didn't I, didn't, no, I disagree. I didn't feel like he was light-hearted at all. I well, no, like what I'm saying real. is in the extras, they said he was great because he played it all light-hearted. I didn't see that at all. No, no. No, I, I, I thought he played it like, like a... Heavy-handed. Asshole. Yeah. But if that's the vibe we get from that character, then he did a good job because I felt really uncomfortable. I don't know what it is I dislike about him. I don't either. I just I feel like he's like seems like an asshole, like a smart ass. Yes, smart ass all the time, and a little bit too. I'm too cool for school kind of thing. I don't know. You don't know anything about him. I've seen him in lots of interviews and stuff, and I just I'm not. He a does fan. a lot of video game. Um, you know, like E3 conference. Conferences like he hosts a lot of that stuff, award shows for video games and stuff, and he's always a smartass. But I mean, he's a comedian, right? He's a stand-up comedian, so right. I guess that's what that's what mm-hmm. he does. But no, I didn't particularly. He could interchangeable. He could have been. Anyway. But the thing is, was he doing his job really well for us to dislike him? Because that was the point. Could, yeah. Yeah. Well, if he was. If he wanted me to like not like his performance or him, it <laughs> oh, I thought his performance was fine. It was the character I just really disliked. Steve Shurupa plays Carlo, who's the cooking teacher, who is actually <laughs> Uncle Junior's um, helper in The Sopranos. It's I always like peripheral. I don't even know why you mentioned him, but I always liked him in The Sopranos. He's in it for him. like two minutes altogether, probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought it was a different role for Yeah, him. yeah, he was fine. You know, he wasn't but... a mafia tough dude, he was a chef. I just feel like if you mention him, there's like loads of other people. Well, that, these are the ones I mentioned at the end here. <laughs> Bryce Dallas Howard as Melanie. Uh, this is Ron Howard's daughter. You've seen her in Spider-Man. Um, no offense, Ron, but she's such a Hollywood girl. It drove me nuts. Yeah. It really did. She I was could just have seen too... her in like... She, she seemed romantic comedy type of person. Oh, she was too fucking close to him and they had those scenes but I there again, were the worst in but the there again movie. she was like the character was super needy needy and damaged and yes that's the I reason agree. she was there so I agree I, again it could have been a case of that's what she was supposed to be like I mean true very true a but damaged... I didn't like the way he directed them and they got all close and weird and I hate that, that scene the eating it's scene. uncomfortable but is that right that maybe what it's no it was to... uncomfortable because it was too Hollywoody Mm. somebody on that set including Clint Eastwood fell for it or whatever his idea was was like mm, let's get him here and let's emulate a, a certain sexual tension that we're never going to resolve and all this stuff but it was uncomfortable it brought everybody down in acting wise I felt like Matt Damon was even a little bit like I don't know I really disliked those scenes but as you reveal who she is yes you realize she's over the top and those scenes are completely needed because the payoff of those scenes Actually, what Matt Damon does next is partially because of how that affects him. That's true. You know, and I like. Although I, I, like I, the I idea think if of, you unplug that whole that whole character and his that 
I mean, it could have just been a client. Some, like yeah. his brother forced another client on him and that turned his mind around. It could have been that too. It could have been that, actually. His brother forces a client on him who... And he, she shows up. And who he has an attachment. Like, he thinks, oh, she's nice. I wouldn't mind dating her or whatever. And then yeah, yeah. the question comes up. Which... I don't know. I just felt... Re- her scene there near the end of her part, though, was way... Was really good. I had yeah. no problem. That, the... Yeah, the... The awkward... In the... Resolute... Yeah, yeah. That was fine. But the the cooking ones, it was just too much for me. So. And then Richard Kind as Christos. Not in it very long. <laughs> At least he was serious. He wasn't like yeah, weird. He was. yeah, he's from, you would say he's from... Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right. He's in lots of things. Directed by Clint Eastwood. I didn't put down the movies that Clint Eastwood has directed because we all know all the movies. Do people know? Most I of bet them. most people don't He's directed, know. I think, uh, I just looked him up, I think it was like 40-something movies. Jesus, I don't he's even He's never written them. a movie. Um, In writing. He had one. Yeah, he had written one movie. It was something like Cool Han Luke or something. Somebody, something right. that he wasn't even in. <laughs> so, um, like, he's just a director and actor, but he's acted 40 in... 40 movies? Yeah. Directed. 30-something movies directed. Wow, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, so you think lot. everyone knows them all? I don't know them all. No, you probably don't. I know Gran Torino and The Changeling and this one. That's not The Changeling, that's just Changeling. Changeling. And then one, A Million Dollar Baby... Um, Iwo Jima. Yeah, I've never seen it. Letters from Iwo Jima. Flags of Our Fathers. Ah, oh, that's like seven or eight right there. So. And then going back, did he, well, starred in all the Dirty yeah. Harrys, all the spaghetti westerns he was in. So we all know who Clint Eastwood is. Yeah. Um, He's an effective director. It's an interesting topic for a movie uh, and a, a director who, you know, when you do see him on the extras, he's a very old man. He's not a youngster anymore. He's old. Yeah, he's old. I mean, I don't know how old. 80s. I didn't look, but oh, late 80s, I would say. You know, and he's still on the set. I don't think he's late 80s. But You're uh, not? Hmm. He looks old, let's say that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's not a young man, and he's still directing movies. And this movie is an interesting subject for a director at the... Yeah, because it really is a mixture. years of his life. You get everything from a massive action sequence that I said would be the payoff in some other action movie. Like Deep Impact. Not only that, but then the even the subway, the tube mm-hmm. thing, that's a big deal to have to put together, you know? And then you get moments of absolute, intimate, one-on-one, quiet dialogue. And then you get um, sort of, um, you know, the French scenes, you know, where she's on TV and there she's seeing herself on a poster and stuff. You know, there you've got like a little bit... Kind of light-hearted. I have to say, um, I liked how he used the real um, locations for all oh, the Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it wasn't just like a fake London or a Makes fake a huge pack. difference. Yeah, it does really. Does. So it feels... Yeah, he's a director, Clint Eastwood. I think he, towards the late end of his, you know, like the older years, he's come to the he's top of his game, I think, on this stuff. But the thing is, as they say, he's a huge collaborator person. Yeah. So it's not him. I mean, it sounds like he might be kind of the boss on set. But he also has, like, so many people who do everything really well that he's sort of the glue that sticks crew. it together. Yeah. Because he does he uses the same crew, because if you look, it's the same people. Um, I think he. I, I want to see more. I mean, his next one is, um, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio in um, J. Edgar Hoover story, concentrating on his sexuality. Yeah. Um, which. Sounds like an interesting story to tell again. You know, I mean, I don't know. And another thing with Clint Eastwood. I don't think you can tell it's a Clint Eastwood movie. Exactly. Even though 
you know, there are some things. Music, specifically. Yeah. I can tell his... You know when he says a Malpaso production at the beginning? That's obviously Clint Eastwood's um, oh, production know. company. Um, everything. Back from uh, Smo- um, Every Which Way But Loose and all those movies in the... You know, they always said a Malpaso um, production. And I always used to think, oh, you know, it's, it's a Clint Eastwood thing. There is a little thing that gels it. And it, that piano music he uses, it's not the same piano music in every one, but it's distinctive. And it's him playing. Did he direct the Bridges Madison County? He was in it. I don't think so. It's kind of a romance. Maybe. But yeah, there is a there is a Clint Eastwood stamp, but the subjects he tackles, the It's not like Tarantino. No, and where you how go, prog- oh my god, that's got to be how a progressive movie. he is, you know, like when he made like um Iwo Jima and Flags of Our Fathers, he did them in Japanese, like yeah. and, and this one he says, No, I don't want to do this in a, a Hollywood style, I wanna do it in like a European movie style, which is kind of how it comes out. Oh, across. and the sets. We didn't talk about the sets. I'm I'm not mean to be go backwards here, but I mean the boys' bedroom and the apartments and the his like da- Matt Damon's apartment, um, even in the stairwell, it's all so it was real places. Like they really went to a small yeah, apartment. The, They're really the and you really feel it. I mean at now, let's be honest, when we watched 127 hours, you wouldn't have known that he was in no. the middle of a set, no. right? You felt like he was trapped in a hole in the rocks, right? But in this kind of environment, unless you've got somebody, even like um, Black Swan, right? When she's in her bedroom and there's lots of detail and lots of set dressing, it still feels like a set that's been decorated by, like completely created by someone, you know? Whereas when you're in some in an apartment and it's close and the stairs are kind of dingy looking and the walls kind of... You can tell somebody didn't do that. It just right. looks like that. I re- I feel like that really sucks me in loads more. I like so, that. Yeah. Um, and the fancy hotel she was in. You go from one extreme to the other. I mean, it's like a, it's like a visual feast. For the eyes. <laughs> well, not a visual feast for my ears. All right. So um, the Blu-ray release um, comes with... Um, focus points or whatever you call it maximum movie mode it's not a maximum movie mode it's focus points but uh, you can watch the movie again with inserts um, or extras or or you can watch all the focus points separately which is cool which is what we did watch all the focus points separately covering everything pretty much I thought it was really good. I was looking forward to them, actually. Yeah, on the set with um, Clint showing you how they did the tsunami showing you how they got the actors together you know, all the, all the stuff. Everything's covered, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Even music a psychic who was talking about how she talks to the dead. Yeah, a real psychic, if there is such a thing. Um, well, you know what? I disagree with you on that perspective, on that point of view. Because if she thinks that, and right. other people get something out of it. I'm not saying she's not, like, I don't know that someone like, the way she talked, she didn't seem like a scammer person. She might be fully convinced. Right. You can't fault someone for that. You know? Mm. I think think you're unfair. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you have these focus points. I think they total about 30 minutes if you watch them all. Um, Great. It was really good. Um, I felt satisfied. And secondly, and this is probably one of the best extras if you're a Clint Eastwood fan you're ever going to get, and this is the first time in high def for this feature. It was actually on the DVD of, um, well, it was in the Clint Eastwood box set with all his movies, all 30-odd movies. Grand Torino. But uh, it was in low, it was in standard def. But first time in high def, it's an hour and 35-minute documentary, um, feature length, of 
It's called the eastward factor, the extended cut. So it's um, according to the back here, and we've seen it before. Tell them what you think, not what the pet box says. How well, would you describe it's, it? It's um, people talking about Clint Eastwood, him talking about himself. <laughs> it goes right through his career. You see clips from his, all his movies, stills from his movies, behind-the-scenes stuff. He talks about... You know, it's great. It's really good if you're into Clint Eastwood. I agree. It's, it's like his life just... Passes before your eyes. 90 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, I recommend it. And it's a great extra to have. Because It'd be a bit weird, wouldn't it, to have someone do a retrospective of your life when you're not you're dead still, yet? Yeah, exactly. And you're thinking, like... And ask you to be in it. Couldn't I possibly have another 20 years and maybe... Maybe we'll wait until I could the make end 20 of that. more movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this... And this box set you're making of my life... What's funny about it... One of the funny things is... On the Warner Brothers lot now, he has like a bungalow thing. He does. Where he does his writing and his music. He goes and to where all his costumes are stored from every movie. Yeah, yeah, he's got them all. And someone's, yeah. someone's job is to just manage and take care of the costumes. And you from see all, all this on this documentary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now I rem- it's all coming back to me now. Um, yeah, and he does. He has a sound stage and a... Yep, where he can have the orchestra and a yeah. band and he has his piano there. and Exactly. So kind of a cushy life, that man. So okay. not only do you get this great movie, you get this great documentary, which literally is as long as the movie. You know, so enjoyable. Uh, it Blue is Ray. if you like Clint Eastwood. Yeah. So, um, in conclusion, for this movie, I really liked it. I um, admire Clint Eastwood more and more as years go by. Don't know. I, I just think he's really. I even like Space Cowboys. I love Space Cowboys. <laughs> it's kind. Of, I love that. You know. I did too. Yeah, I loved it. I did I, too. I love the astronaut farmer as well. Funnily enough, so I like anything spacey. Did he do that one? No, he did not. I'm just saying. Oh, Billy, Billy Bob Thornton. Light-hearted kind of spacey things, you know? I was kind of going with the Clint Eastwood theme, but you're going off. But that's fine. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I uh, I really like Speaking of Impossible Astronaut. Correct. Da-da-da. It's a good it's a good movie hereafter. Um, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I know it has flaws, and I don't give a shit what anybody says. I don't believe in any of it, and yet it cracks open into my mind. Absolutely. I want people to understand... You know, that you can believe whatever you want. Don't push it on somebody else. If you need answers, don't let somebody take advantage of you or scam you. But maybe if you're seeking, 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 just stop and think about what you've got in the moment. Fuck everybody else. Not literally. And just live your life. If you've got pain from the past, deal with it. If you don't know about your future, don't look to like some god or a book or... Well, if I die, what's going to happen to me? And every choice I make is going to influence oh, my if afterlife. Oh, if that's the way you can... Well, no, not if it impair, impairs no, you, right, is what right. I'm saying. If it's holding you back. Right, right. You know, I'm not saying become a serial killer because you no longer have any morals or ethics whatsoever. I'm saying, you know, it's your life. It's not dictated by whether or not the moment you close your eyes and, and your body's done, where you're going to end up. I mean, it, it makes no sense to me. It absolutely doesn't. And so, I don't know why I get so excited about this movie, but I think I was totally there. It's and well-crafted movie, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, in conclusion, we both liked it. <laughs> recommended. Um, I would th- recommend it to a lot of people. Uh, thanks to uh, Warner for the Blu-ray. Uh, contest, go to the site, see ascully.com for details. Next week's Blu-ray review will be, right in front of us, The Way Back, starring uh, Ed Harris, uh, Colin Farrell, and some other people. Um, so don't like the cover so it's not a good start <laughs> it's by the director of Master and Commander so. that thing where they feel they have to put a little little yeah. face of everybody on the front I don't even know why people think the way they do 
I'm looking. I'm looking for because yeah, I do uh, like Ed Harris very much. So um, and Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell's um, pretty good. Pretty good. So uh, movie re- movie recommendations this week. I got it right. I want to uh, say Babel or Babel Tower of Babel um, because not Tower of Babel, just Babel. Just Babel. Yeah, it's got the um, it's got the vibe of that movie is very much like this one. I mean, they tackle different subjects, mm-hmm. but the international feel, the mixture of stories. I'm not sure if it's a totally different vibe. It's a theme, isn't it, of life? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Connections with people. I would and- say Magnolia as well, but I yeah. say it so many times. <laughs> um, I would say Shortcuts as well. I, you know, these kind of movies where it mixes... Brokenheartedness and damagedness and hope and, like, get your shit together and live your life. Stop worrying about everything. Stop dragging you down with all, you know... You know what the main theme is? Like, tragedy happens in life. Death and and injuries and all that kind of stuff, right? It's how people are coping with them in these stories. Yeah. That can be uplifting or depressing, however you look at it. Yeah, uh, yeah, it can make you think, oh, well, my life's nothing like that. I'm, you know, I have nothing to feel sad about. Or it can make you feel terrible. <laughs> or if you have a horrible tragedy yeah. and you're going like, I don't know how to cope with this. Well, maybe I just need to get on with my life. That I must, Movies aren't for changing your life, but the ideas are there. I just read on there about Hereafter. Um, they, it was supposed to be released theatrically in Japan. Oh. Just recently, because they get movies quite a lot later than us, and they pulled it. Of from, course, of obviously course, pulled it completely um, because of content, and that is something that can't even be shown in Japan for many years. Really, I mean, it's not. I think it would depend on the yeah, but it's very it's, un- it's unsettling because yeah. I was watching CNN at the. I mean, time there's a lot of people in Japan who that lost shit was families and Yeah, exactly. I mean, can't thousands and can't thousands show. Something is insensitive. I mean, it's not insensitive. It's no, not of made course it not. Insensitive. It's not like he tried to make that tsunami scene like over. No, it seemed absolutely horrific. Just horrible, yeah. I mean, absolutely horrific and overwhelming. And very real. And like Grace. forces of nature can just knock the shit out of us all, and then out of that destruction, you know, one story comes, and there are thousands of stories, but here's one. So off topic, Babel was the one I wanted to recommend, <laughs> and The Sixth Sense was the other one. Why is that one? Um, just because I don't, I don't want to spoil The Sixth Sense. Can I, can I spoil The Sixth Sense for anybody? Don't say anything. Yeah, don't. No, I, I mean if you've not seen it, see it. I don't know. I just think, a, yeah. Not that hereafter's like it or anything. I, I just. It's like a good a, examination of thoughts on life and death. Yeah, yeah afterlife, yeah. death, that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah, that's why I put that one down. I do think it's a great movie, The Sixth Sense. It's just unfortunate that you can never really watch it again. <laughs> yeah, you can. Uh, <laughs> or talk about it. You shouldn't. I think you can watch it once more. Like, you see, you see it, and then you can watch it a second time where it's like a different yeah. experience. But then it's pretty much done for the yeah. rest of we'll, your life. We'll stop talking about it, or we'll ruin it for people. I think haven't seen it. Um, and mine are, and I have no idea why, but It's a Wonderful Life came to my mind. And it's the the idea of, he didn't know what he had. If you haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life, uh, Jimmy Stewart wishes that he had never been born. And then he sees his life, this is like 1932, by the way, sees his life as it, the people that he's had, you know, his wife and the people around him, his friends and his community, what it would have been like if he had never been born. And then, of course, he gets the opportunity to have his life back. And it's the same theme. You know? Why is everybody pissing and moaning all the time about everything? Like, 
Right, yeah. Get on with your life. Appreciate what you have. Cope with the shitty things that happen. And that's it. Like, the whole world would be so much better. There's a lot of movies with that message. In different packages, yeah, different ways. And some are heavy-handed and some are, like, It's a Wonderful Life is pretty in your face, let's be honest. But it's still a nice story and I think that that's why I thought of it. And um, I know this is a recent movie, (laughs) but I'm putting it in my bucket of recommendations as Inception. Because in another weird way, it also examines you living your life in the moment and not dragging yourself down with, like, the past and traumas that you can't seem to get over. And so Inception, if you haven't seen it, I think it's really good. Also available on Warner Blu-ray. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you, Mr. Salesman. How about Our, It's a Wonderful Life? Also yeah. available on Blu-ray. <laughs> no, I don't Reckon. actually know. Probably on DVD. Um, it is on DVD. Not on Blu-ray, maybe. Probably needs restoring. Huh? It's old. It always looked pretty good. How old is it? 1932, I believe. 1932-39, mm, somewhere around there. All right, so again... A movie that old, and still, we're talking about it. Yeah. It's freaking awesome. There's lots of them. Not a lot. No. Casablanca. Wizard of Oz. Wizard Casablanca of Oz. was, like, was it the 30s, 40s? 30s, yeah, mm. yeah. Wizard um, of Oz. <laughs> from that day. Life. <laughs> uh, Sunset Boulevard. I don't know, a bit later. Right? That's way old, later, yeah. yeah. I'm talking about, like, you know, so... That's pretty good. Scarface. <laughs> Inception. Yeah. <laughs> Hereafter. That's pretty old. <laughs> right, so um, games and Ace Gully stuff for this week. I've been playing a little game this week. You, you, you ooh. ooh. I've been playing a little game called... Portal 2. Portal 2. Why'd you say it if you wanted me to say it? Because I wanted you to say it and me say it. Portal. And you say Somebody portal. stole my disc. Portal. Portal. Portal 2. Um, highly recommended Portal 2. I think everybody should buy it. <laughs> um, unless you're not very clever. <laughs> you have to be You have to be slightly... It's, it's not. Oh, the game has really tricked you into thinking you're smart. No, what I'm saying is some people clever. will get super frustrated by a game like this because... I'll put they, my hand up. I'd get frustrated by it. Logic puzzles... Um, because it's basically a series of logic puzzles with a story. Um, Man, you sound like a snob. <laughs> what? Like, well, I figured it all out, but not everybody could. <laughs> well, I don't think some people would. I think some people would have to look it up, or B would just quit. Because yeah, but really you're act. saying because they're stupid, but I'm saying because maybe I wouldn't have the patience. No, I'm not saying because So I feel stupid. like I'm in that group of people you're talking about. i got to say, though, this game... I've not played... I've played quite a few games this year... <laughs> this is not, I'm not, you know, high praise or whatever. It's got to be one of the games of the year, if not the games of, of your life. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the Sixth Sense, as in, it's a one-time deal. Mm. Possibly go back to it in a few years when it's kind of faded a bit and played again, which is what I did with the first one actually. And it does work. It's just not the same because you've. You have seen it all once before, so... You have nothing to anticipate anymore. You no, just, and, yeah. and the puzzles, you're going to kind of remember them through osmosis and go, oh yeah, this is that one. I remember this one. But the first time through, it's... it's. I didn't think they could improve on Portal, and I said to you, the original Portal was almost perfect. The only thing wrong with it was slightly short. It was like four hours. This one, I finished it in all total. This is without the co-op, just the single player. Just about ten hours. Which is, you know, substantially longer than the first one. 
not too long, but perfect the entire time. And now, why it's perfect is they expanded on the story. Like the in the original, all you basically know is that you wake up in a laboratory and there's a series of tests to do. You do the tests and then something happens and that's it. In uh, this one, they explain everything. They explain... I'm not going to spoil it, but it even goes back into the history of this uh, laboratories um, throughout the years. It, Very good. It, um, it's satisfying. Yeah, it, it it takes it as far as there is no need for a Portal 3. Like, this is it for me. Like, it, it's done. Like, it's... They told you everything. They didn't really leave anything mysterious. It... And like I say to you, I, I finished it the other day and all I could say... As, well, people who follow me on Twitter will know. I just said it as the best ending ever. It's literally perfect ending. I can't think of a game with an ending so fulfilling, you know? Very nice. Because something occurs where you're like, holy... I thought you couldn't surprise me anymore, but you did, you know? So, um... And it also features a co-op campaign, which me and my friend are going through on Xbox Live. And we're we're on the last level of it now, but we've played it like four nights on a row for two or three hours at a time. So, you know, the co-op campaign's probably eight hours long. Uh, it's just a bonus tacked on there. Um, you can also go back and play the single player again with a developer's commentary turned on so you can get insight into how the game was made, how the puzzles were designed. Each person on the design team will talk um, and tell you stuff. Um, you saw the first hour of it. 20 minutes, maybe. At least. No, I think you saw the first hour, didn't you? The first No, because it started bothering my head for some right. reason. That's just a first-person shooter thing, right, for you? Yeah. Some. Some no, some yes. I was fine if I was watching from the kitchen, but right up close to the big TV, it just it made me feel like, ugh. Right. So, my brain's Well, anyway, forget that part. What, what did you think about well, I can't the... forget that part. That's important for other wives who might want to watch or other people who no, might No, I think that's it. just a thing where... If you're not on the controls, um, some people are oh, yeah. susceptible to that. If you're on the controls that, and you're moving it. I was worried that Austin different. would be watching you and feel sick. Because remember that time? What game were you playing? Was Call it Call of Duty 3. No, no. Down yeah. the basement. Call of Duty 3. Well, he watched you for a real long time. And this was puked. years ago, right? <laughs> he came up this come up the we have a split level house. And like, he came up the middle stairway and he's like, can I go in the bathroom? I, I didn't... Can I go in the bathroom? And I'm like, well, yeah. And he goes, can I throw up? And I said, yeah. He went in the bathroom, got sick. And then, like, two minutes later, he was fine again. But I know that's what it was. It had to be. There was nothing else going on. And he just, that he'd watched that so much that his head... And I, I think he's got way. used to it now, because we play a lot of games. He watches, I watch, you know. I think he doesn't affect him. I hope not. I hope that he knows. To me, I have to sometimes close an eye or close the other eye. But um, just watching it, it is... You go too fast for me, so I, I'm, you must, I might be one of those people you think isn't very clever then, because you walk in and you go, oh yeah, I'll go do this, I'll go do that, I'll go do that, I'll go do this, and do that, and then, and then you're done, and I'm like, what the hell just happened? I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't even know how you knew to go to that thing behind that wall and to go over that. I don't even know. Well, I have played the original game, right? But I mean, so I, I don't, the, in, I don't approach anything concept. that way anyway. Right. So. That would throw me off if I was alone completely without you to tell me what to do or you inputting then I might be fine because <laughs> you put it on my laptop the original so I well, will try it the new one. I mean I've got both on right. the PC so I mean you can play both on the PC um, what about the voice acting it's funny they um, have this time um, in the first game you have GLaDOS which is like the main character who talks to you she is back in this one but 
you you first encounter how the game opens is cool and I'm not spoiling anything but they wake you up out of stasis yeah. um, like you're in this laboratory thing which you know from the first one you're a lab rat yeah a lab rat basically a human lab rat yeah they wake you up a lab human every what did it say how, they have to wake you up just, just to see if you're alright every so many years the first time they wake you up they tell you to do a few exercises what was the exercise look up look down look up and look down and then your, that were your gymnastics. And then lay, lie down again, basically. Yeah. It's like, because they've got a lot of people to go through, it's just not very much. And the second time they wake you up... It's like a long time later. Who knows later. What's, how long it is, but things have changed. Disintegrated. There's jungly stuff growing everywhere. and It could have been hundreds of years. It could, you know, whatever. Um, you've been in stasis, so... It, I like any of those stories. You know, I love Alien because of that. Yeah. Because she just keeps getting projected into time, and I just always wonder... Has anyone ever figured out how many years from the original Alien to, like, so. Alien Well, probably. Four. Probably somebody's pieced it... Or somebody's probably but in that, a portal, um, I like that you're idea. woken up by this new AI that is the AI that is responsible for the test... For the lab rats. He's the... The caretaker of the facility. Um, and he wakes you up to say there's a bit of a problem and he needs your help because he's kind of not built in the way as he can help himself. He can just go along a rail, he's like a ball. But um, it's voiced by Stephen Merchant, it's called Wheatley, this ball. And it's one of the best voiceovers I've ever. <laughs> it was almost genius that they chose him. I mean, and he's not. Valve an American company. You know, um, when they're choosing people, voice actors or whatever, whoever came up and said Stephen Merchant for this guy, it was the perfect. You know, and Ricky Gervais wrote the dialogue um, with Stephen Merchant, so it's it's just it's genius, and and they've done so many lines in there. There's there's a moment in the game where it tells you to, in a hurry, go a particular way. Um, you didn't see this, but. Mm-mm. It tells you, it's very unsafe here, go this way, quickly. So I started running and then thought to myself, no, I just want to go back and see what he says, because he's in that room. I'll go back. And he literally, and I stood there for ten minutes, while he just did an entire monologue of why you've come back. <laughs> like, it, it was just, it just kept going on and on and on. And it's you like, mean just like one line and one line and no, one line? No, it was like a whole thing. Like, it, like he was just... A whole story. He tells you a story. He tells you some jokes. It's not one line, one line, one line. It's it's a whole thing of why. Like he, he says, he says um, as you're running away from the danger, he says, "Come back, come back." And ordinarily, a player would carry on running because they're not going to go back to this guy. So I went back, and he went, "Oh, I didn't." I thought you said he just told you to run away. He did, but then he says, "Come back." He's shouting, "Come back!" at you. So. All things that are happening point to not going back because something's happening in the distance. You wouldn't want to go back. I went back and then he, he says, oh, I didn't um, anticipate you coming back. And then he proceeds to tell you this whole thing. Now, there's stuff like that in there that must have took ages to record or whatever. And he, he's recorded so many lines. It's insane. You know, Let's over, be honest. Probably just a couple of days of sitting there doing it. It's over and above um, what other games do for voice acting. Like, I love Grand Theft Auto. There's tons of voice acting. But they don't go over and above what they need. You'll hear a lot of people repeating things, repeating yeah. things. In this game, there's no repeating anything. You would think that would be a brilliant investment in any game. To have lots of audio. Uh, 
variety for people. Because if you play a game literally for 10 to 12 hours... You hear the same thing, don't you? Yeah. Like, Red Dead Redemption's a good example. Um, It's got a lot of dialogue when you go and get a mission off somebody or whatever. There's obviously unique dialogue. But as you're walking around, Mm. you hear the same thing over and over again. Or like that space one that you played. Mass Effect. Yeah, Mass Effect 2. Where you, you just hear the same of, conversation in the You background. know that when you walk up to somebody, they're going to say the same thing, but yeah. you need to get something done with them so that you're a little... But or if have, you're walking through a public area and there's people speaking, and if you go and eavesdrop, it's literally the same things you heard in another public right, area. Right, right. Just the same. Well, this game, there's none of that. It's just unique dialogue the entire time. I mean, you have to go back and play it again. To but hear. let's be honest, he is the only one you interact with except for GLaDOS. Yeah. <laughs> so. And GLaDOS is insults. Just, she's awesome. <laughs> she really is awesome. She says stuff like that. My favorite one is where it says, "It says here you're a horrible person." <laughs> we wasn't even testing for that, but you're a horrible person. You know, <laughs> she has all these like she calls you fat we a load of times. Even testing you for that. She yeah. has that sort of digital voice. She calls you fat. She says, "Look at you gliding through the air like an eagle tied to a blimp." <laughs> you know, it's like she's just all these horrible insults because like she doesn't like it very much. Does she? Yeah. She. Uh, I mean, because of the events of the first game. She has no reason to like you in the second game. So, in conclusion, Portal 2, I highly recommend it. It's Should you play the first one first, though? Just I, to get the vibe. I don't think you have to. Um, but yes, it, give, it would give you the vibe of the puzzles. Yeah. Puzzles are much more complex in the new game. Um, but never to a... I, never, I did get stuck once. <coughs> I was so stuck, and it wasn't a puzzle. Mm. The puzzles are all pretty logical, because it teaches you them slowly. Um, and the, when I got stuck, it wasn't a puzzle. It's just I didn't know where to go next. I was stood on top of this tower, and I couldn't see anywhere else to go. And I was like, looking, looking, nowhere to fire anything. I was like, okay, I'll come back to that later. And I went off and did something else. When I came back, I immediately saw where I was supposed to go. It was like one of those... Um, yeah, but you have ADD thing though. You're just in, you're instant. Like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? You you go really fast all the time. No, it's but you not, do. If you don't see that immediate thing, it's like you you think, oh, well, I don't see it. Well, there was where no there was no puzzle where um, I was stuck. I know, but I'm saying your immediate <clears throat> thinking is if you don't in an instant see what to do, you start verbalizing. I don't. Where am I supposed to go? I, I'm stuck. Yeah, but that doesn't I'm mean stuck. I'm going to quit. No, I don't mean you're going to quit. I'm saying you just think you were stuck but it might have taken two minutes no I was stuck here it was um, probably I'd say ten minutes of stood on this thing looking looking around zooming in on every single pixel that's what I was doing because you've got a zoom button I was zooming in I was thinking maybe there is a somewhere to fire a portal off in the distance because it's a really big area not just a room it was a big expanse and I kept looking I was like maybe there is something real because you can zoom and fire a portal now which uh-huh. is something so I just couldn't see it and then when I came back to it, it was right in front of my face. Right, yeah. It was one of those where I was like, why, why was I even stuck on that? Because that's like a stupid place to get stuck. I'd just done this puzzle that like, seemed to me like it, it would require genius to, to do it. I mean, some of the puzzles, I'm not joking, are very difficult. Because they, they introduced this gel system this time where there's different gels that you can spray on different surfaces. Not just portals. Like, if you spray a red gel on a surface, it makes you run fast on that surface, or a blue gel makes you jump high, or a white gel lets you put portals wherever you want. But you have to spray the gel on the particular surfaces by using the dispensers and portals to aim them at surfaces. So it gets quite complicated, and there's lots of things required of you at the end, towards the end. 
But anyway, it's um, highly recommended. I think most people will enjoy it. But it is it has got a certain... Let's say you don't shoot anybody. Yeah. I mean, there are some guns in it, but not, not nothing to do with you, but there are some guns. Yeah, yeah. Um, I recommend it highly. And you can actually get it for $45 um, with a $20 credit on Amazon. Oh, no, you can't get it anymore. If you pre-ordered Never it... Never mind. Yeah, if you pre-ordered Never it, mind. like I did, it was um, $45 and $20 back, which I put to my next game. So it was literally, you were getting it for 20, 20 bucks, which is crazy on the first week. Um, so yeah, now you're going to have to pay, what, 45 No, probably $60 now, because they only have these deals on the first week. Um, so yeah, highly recommended. Uh, second game I've been playing this week, Mortal Kombat. Was there another? <laughs> Mortal Kombat, you actually saw me playing. Mm-hmm. Um, pleasantly surprised, because I was a big Mortal Kombat fan back in the early 90s, when it was on the Genesis, and whenever there was a new Mortal Kombat, uh, Mortal Kombat fans will remember like when it used to come out they had Mortal Kombat Tuesday or something where you went to the store and you can get some free stuff with your game and there was a new one These were, this was around the time of Mortal Kombat 3 and 4 and 2 um, not particularly in that order so um, you know this is we've come a long way this is Mortal Kombat you're Mortal- not a Mortal Kombat fanatic or anything. You just play it when they come out, and it's okay, and you like it, and then you move on. Not okay. I always thought I was one of the. I like street. I was more of a Street Fighter fan right. back in the day, um, but I always liked a bit of Mortal Kombat as well because it was over the top. Street Fighter isn't as over the top as Mortal Kombat. I mean, Mortal Kombat has the fatalities where you. Yeah. They're crazy. You know, it's it's insane. It's like horror, like a horror, um, you know, to the extreme. Now, Mortal Kombat, this new one, is actually Mortal Kombat 9, but they've dropped the number. So it's the ninth version of Mortal Kombat. Um, It's how a fighting game should be made. It's... I think Capcom should take note and make Street Fighter. Because there's some things in here that actually advance the genre a bit. One of them being this challenge tower. And what it is, it's a tower, and it's from floor 1 to floor 300. So it's 300 individual challenges. And there can be anything from defeat this opponent in 30 seconds or defeat this opponent but only use a throw to hurt them or chop these blocks in half with, with your, like a kung fu chop. Or there's even silly ones like uh, here's balls under cups. Where's the ball? You know, they mix them around. Like that and you literally you go on one floor and then you go up a floor and then up a floor. And every floor you go up, you unlock some coins with a K. Because everything's with a K in Mortal Kombat. And these coins, you go to the crypt with a K. <laughs> and you unlock um, new concept art, concept art, new characters, new fatalities for the characters, new moves for the characters. All that stuff comes from this tower. And as you go up this tower, I'm about level 50... One on the tower, it gets harder and harder. Like, it gets to a point where you have no arms. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's insane. Like, it's not following the plot of the game or anything. It gets to the point where we're going to remove your arms and you can only fight using your feet. Or we're going to take all your special moves away. All you've got is a punch. And there's three guys to beat. Like, that kind of thing. It's really good. It's like um, almost like 
I don't want to play the, any more. I just want to get to the top of the tower, you know? Right. Um, so that's separate from the game. Yeah, it's just an extra on the menu. Here's this tower. And I was like, what is this tower? This sounds interesting. Went in there and that's what it is. 300 challenges, which are fun because it tests you, you know, as it gets harder and harder. Then this is possibly the best story mode in any fighting game ever. Jeez. Right, because as as people know, Mortal Kombat was made into a series of movies as well, so there is a whole lore behind the characters. Well, this story mode, generally what a story mode is in a fighting game, and you've seen them before, you get an opening scene and it says, like on Street Fighter, Ryu was a lonely man who lived in the hills and he was a ninja, tra- he'd been trained to be a ninja, and it's usually a series of still images and some text. Then you fight ten rounds and then there's an ending. And there's a sword somewhere that needs to be unlocked because somebody's father was killed by somebody and then you get the golden sword and you can defeat the... Big yeah, man. and then the credits roll and then you go and do it with another character and they have a different ending and beginning. Well, this is literally like a movie, all voice acted and... I mean, it's not real people. I mean, it's done with the characters in the game. Right. But it's a the story of Mortal Kombat. Um, and each chapter takes the... Um, view of a different character like the first chapter is Johnny Cage who's one of the main guys in Mortal Kombat then the next chapter is Sonya Blade etc 15 chapters each one you know the story of why that person's in this in this tournament called Mortal Kombat now it's all voice acted and and like cutscenes but they're in the game engine so when two people turn to each other and say right it's time to fight the game start you start fighting there's no jarring yeah. You're in the game, they're all talking, and then all of a sudden you're fighting. It's really cool the way they did it. Um, and you move your way up through the story, and you collect coins with a K this way also to unlock stuff in the crypt with a K. Um, it's also got an online mode. It's a full online mode where you can even spectate. You don't even have to play. You can just watch different matches, and you can jeer and boo. And you know, Street Fighter needs to take um, that into account because... You know fighting games when you play online, right? It's generally like eight against eight, and there's only two no, of them. No, I have no idea. Well, it's generally eight against eight, and this is how Street Fighter does it, and it's horrible. Um, there's, say, eight against eight, and obviously in a fighting game, it's just two people on the screen at one time. So when it's not your turn to fight, they call it quarter mode, because it's like in the old arcades where you put your quarters down on the machine and kind of waited for your turn. Well, on Street Fighter, while you're not fighting, you look at a static image... Right. Of, uh, and your name comes to the top, then it's your time to fight. On Mortal Kombat, you watch the fight happening, even if you're not fighting. And you can jeer and boo and throw coins. You can even throw coins in the stage so they can pick them up, that kind of thing, if you think they're doing really well. It's got this... It makes it a reason to... I mean, sitting looking at a static screen for ten minutes is kind of really boring. It's cool to watch people fighting. That's how it should be. So they need to roll that over. I'll be the I'll be the person who says none of it sounds interesting to me whatsoever. No, if you're into fighting, I know. Games, I'm just saying it is absolutely unappealing. Yeah, I'll watch you. I'm just saying though, you're you know you, the type of thing it is. I I'll watch you for a couple minutes, and I'm like that looks. I mean, what was the Dreamcast game we played? That was Soul pretty Calibre. fun. Soul Calibur, yeah, that was pretty fun. But that even wears on me. I would never sit and watch, right? Two strangers. I barely will sit and watch you play, but it just sounds really like. Out of my interest. What's, what's, what I've always loved about fighting games and um, why this one is also exceptional is they're so deep. There's so much to learn. It's not just press all the buttons. It's like if you pick a character, look at their movesets, 
their list and get good at their moves, you can become unstoppable with that character. So when you do take it online and you're an expert at Johnny Cage, nobody can touch you. Well, you know, amateurs, people who have never learned it, they just kind of do what, you know, press the buttons fast. You'll always have a response to what they're doing and always win. You know, you can actually become good at it. That's what I like about fighting games. It's a deep, Mm. you know. And in this game, you have to learn the fatalities. When you do a fatality, it doesn't just happen. You have to input like an eight button like left, left, right, right, up, down, A, Y, like for it to happen. You have to do that in the space of a tenth of a second. <laughs> so it's uh, all the skills. That's impossible. That it happens. And and that's impossible. Like, well, less than a second. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Mortal Kombat. It's, it's great. Really great, I think. Um, in fact, this was a crazy week, Portal 2 and Mortal Kombat. They, they called it Mortal, uh, Portal Combat Day um, in the oldest mm. video game stores. Um and the third game, which I've played a very slight amount of, and it actually comes out um, for... If you bought Bulletstorm, which was the game I talked about by Cliffy B's lot a couple of months ago, you got access to the Gears of War 3 beta a week before everybody else. So, because I have Bulletstorm, I, I played it slightly early. Everybody else... Well, not everybody else. This is kind of the Kavit the era, I guess. If you pre-ordered it at GameStop... Gears of War 3, um, you got a code so you could join the Gears beta today. Actually, it's actually live now. I checked just before um, I came. we came on the air. That's on the air. Um, so, yeah, if you have pre-ordered Gears of War 3, which I'm sure a lot of people have because it is one of the most anticipated games of this year, um, you can now be in the beta. It lasts for three more weeks. Um, each week they unlock a different stage and a different um, game mode. So you get to play most of most of the maps and stuff. Um, but I'll talk about it more next week because I've really not done enough of it to say. But all I can say is I'm so glad that I can... After you've played like 10 games, you unlock a new character and the new character is a female gear. There's never been a female gear. You know, in Gears of War, mm-hmm. always a big beefy man, right? It's a female gear. So Let me guess, she's got a little waist and big tits. Can't tell. She's in massive armor. You know what they're like. You'll be able to tell at some point. <laughs> no? Yeah, you will. She's called Anya. Apparently she's in the story of Gears of War 3. Maybe in Gears of War 3 things get so bad that they have Resort fe- to having female soldiers. I think, maybe. That is a charming thing to say. But, um... Good love. Good love. Good heavens. But it is cool that there's a female gear. I don't know the exact context, but she's in there. And if you play long enough in this beta, apparently you can unlock the pink Lancer, which is like the gun with the chainsaw on in a pink version for her, so... I will be trying to do that. So um, that's Gears of War beta. I'll talk about it more next week. Gears of War 3 beta. So what have you got this um, that's week? That's so annoying. What? Oh my god. One woman, because they're, they're so desperate, they let a woman be in combat. And we're going to let you unlock a pink fucking gun? Well, no. Do I wear a lot of pink? Do I have pink tools? Do I have a pink mouse? No. Every woman doesn't love pink. And every woman isn't... A poor substitute for some man to do the job. She doesn't have to have a pink lancer. I'm saying it's an unlockable. I know. There's a flaming lancer. How about you've just got some women in there as characters and get over it? How about that? How about that, people? But you're not going to do it because you've got penises. Fair enough. I have a guy at work who claims I have man issues. I think he's right because that shit makes my blood boil. But I don't play it, so I don't care. It's it's not a statement or anything. It's just. It is a statement. It's just a fun game. 
Then why weren't there just women soldiers the whole freaking time? Well, in the law. It doesn't matter what the law is. There should be women and not just have a token woman because, oh my God, all the men are dead. Well, I guess we're going to have to have a woman fight for listen us. Listen to me. In the <laughs> gaze of war law. I don't want to listen. Women, they're obviously in gaze of war, right? But they were only commanders and tacticians and that kind of person, like um, higher-ups. So anybody, all the mongy jock people, like which Marcus Venus and all them kind of people, they're all meatheads, right? Big burly jocks. They, some of them were football players. Some of them, they're the ones who go off to war, whereas the females are the tacticians, etc. So in that, in that actual law, females are actually painted better than the meathead jocks. Well, yeah, smarter and more organized and more reasonable, yes, but they can also fight in a war. Now, and now, apparently, in the third one, they can. So, we'll see. I don't know why this one particular lady, but we'll find out in the story mode, I guess. Very good. So, um... Everything is a statement, Hayes. So, what is for <laughs> dinner this week? What is for dinner? Was that all your stuff? Three little things. Took a long time. Well, portal was a bit Tonight big. is going to be... For some reason today, I felt like fruit and vegetable fest. And I'm going to have to read it because I have made... Why is it so small? Because it's big. It would take up the half ah. the screen. I made roasted spaghetti squash, which we've not had, but we're going to have that. And on top of that will be some like braised mushroom, onion, pepper. And then on the side, we have some braised Brussels sprouts and corn on the cob. There'll be mushrooms involved. I also roasted some banana and apple and some rhubarb that we can have like as dessert on the side. There's also apple salad with the raw rhubarb that we discussed earlier. May or may not be poison. I don't think it is. I don't want to eat no pie. With some lemon and like, you know, like a toss salad. Then we've got the kale. I roasted some kale. I've got the kale stems with some olive oil and lemon and salt and pepper. And mm, salad. I got mixed bags of salad. You know, we watched Extreme Couponing last week, or I did. And this bag of salad on it said, $1 off, two bags. And I'm like, oh, why do they always make you buy two bags? But today, it was on sale, two bags for $3. So I got two bags for $3 minus a dollar, so it was a dollar a bag. Whereas normally you would spend like three ninety nine. So did you get some tips from Extreme Coupon? <laughs> it just popped into my mind. I'm like, I can use that coupon. I never do coupons. Where was the coupon from? It was stuck on the bag. Oh, okay. You know, right on the bag. Um, so we're having salad. I forget what's in the salad, like spinach and carrot and stuff like that. And I'm also gonna make some tofu with the green beans, the onion and pepper thing. You know, so that be our That's lovely protein. Really and I got this coconut, so delicious, coconut ice cream. I figured for our special, this is a holiday, it is Easter Sunday, uh, whatever that means to everyone, but instead of cookies or treats, I got some of this ice cream stuff. It's tomorrow out. a holiday, Easter yeah, Monday. No, I don't think so. Oh, no, there's school, and work is not off, so. Um, so that's it, lots of fruits and vegetables. Uh, probably something that I have forgotten, Brussels sprouts, corn, squash, lettuce, spinach, carrots... Apples, bananas, oh, almonds and green beans, all that. Oh, it'll be delicious. I can't hardly wait. Is that and it? then the meaning of life we have covered earlier in, in the... Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. There'll be more. They'll never fully be covered. <laughs> uh, I just want to also mention Doctor Who is back uh, this weekend. Um, British Doctor Who. It's also on BBC America, exactly the same. Nice. An hour An hour after it was on BBC, it's on BBC America, which is the nearest it gets to. Nice. Um, and secondly, um, Sarah... How is that possible when it's six hours difference in time? Um, because it's... Not really an hour, then? No, not really an hour, Okay, I guess. Um, 
And also, um, Elizabeth Slade and Sarah Jane Smith died this week. Mm-hmm. Who, who, if you watch Doctor Who, you'll know Sarah Jane Smith. She's been in it since... She's been a, a part of Doctor Who since the 60s. Since the very beginning, yeah, yeah pretty much. Um, Not the very, very beginning, but... And so appa- that's sad. Apparently last night's uh, episode was dedicated to her, so that's nice. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty sad when somebody in a TV program or a movie that you love... Someone you feel like you know, yeah. and yet it's a, you know... So that is sad. It makes nice, me. Not a nice note to end on, but... No. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention... She and gave Do- you lots of, lots of entertainment. And Doctor Who is back, um... If you're a Doctor Who fan, there's six new episodes over the next six weeks. And you are. And I am. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and six new episodes of Doctor Who Confidential as well, which I really like too. Yeah, you do. I'm not as into it because I don't need to know all the secrets and behind the scenes stuff. But you There's just some good interviews like, with them. Yeah. And they cover like... Like on the last uh, Doctor Who Confidential, they, the, Matt Smith and Karen Gillian went on a tour mm-hmm. where they went to different places signing autographs and doing talks and stuff and they showed you that which you'd not ordinarily see you know so that was kind of fun this year some of it is, takes place in America so maybe we'll see them tour in America you know right. uh, so yeah because it's becoming quite bigger so is that everything for you this week? that's everything alright so thanks for listening to the show I want to remind you about our website com, sidtalk.com you can catch us both on Twitter Facebook Xbox Live YouTube you can catch this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, the RSS feed on the page. Just go to ascoli.com, click on the word podcast, or the iTunes Music Store for all you Apple When we say you can find us on those places, we go to YouTube, you type in Sid Talk, you will find me. You type in Ascoli, you will find. Same on Twitter. If you know how to do searches and stuff uh, on the internet thing, you'll find us. Same on Twitter. If you go want to on find- Google, type in Sid Talk, everything will be listed. And if you want to find this show on iTunes or Zoom Marketplace... Um, if you've only been listening to it on the page, there's buttons on the page, or just go to iTunes and Zoom and type in after the show and you'll find it in the podcast bit. Um, you can email feedback to me at com. Don't email SidTalk because she won't answer you. And I want to say stay classy. Unless you want me to tell you the meaning of life. And I want to say stay classy, Matt Damon, and you are not the only person in this movie. <laughs> you look at the cover, Matt I Damon. I don't think that was his choice. And I'm going to say, think for yourself, everyone, on all matters, particularly this theme here of the hereafter. Think for yourself or someone will do it for you. 